Hey, Brian. Chris, what's going on, brother? Loving the hair. It's growing out. The old uh, clip job I did on myself. The patches are growing in. Dude, I, I love the, I think you should just go back to spikes all the time. That's very nostalgic for me. Well, I want you to be happy, so maybe I will do that. I just found out that my hair product has been discontinued, so I'm a little I'm a little shaken up. I looked on eBay. Someone's selling a little tube for uh, $1,000. I'm like, you know what? I really like my hair stuff, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and, and it's time for a new beginning. How, how big is the tube? Like, how long could that last you? Do you oh, know? eight ounces. Oh, wow. Somebody's paying a grand. I think I'm good. I'll wear a hat. I don't care. Yeah, I I tried the spiky hair thing in the when I was in high school in like 2004, and it didn't work. It's got to be more than two millimeters long, brother. I, there's not much yeah. to spike there right now. No, well I well this works for me now, but I you know when I have long hair, I tried to spike it. It just it wasn't yeah. me. So I'm like you know I I kind of got the Adam Sandler thing going. Like just short yeah. hair just looks the best, uh, it, you know, for me. Very low maintenance. Very yeah. low maintenance. I uh, I'm excited to talk to our guest today. I'm so excited for our guest, too. You know her and you love her from her beloved role as Mrs. Kim on the hugely popular Gilmore Girls, but she has been working for a long time. Talk about longevity in this business. Chris, listen to these names of these shows. L.A. Law, Matlock, Columbo, Doogie Howser, M.D., Melrose Place, E.R. She's been working forever, and now she's joining us here on Dunkelvision. Please welcome Emily Carota. Hello, Emily. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Where are you joining us from on this lovely day? I'm in Los Angeles. Wonderful. I'm in beautiful downtown Glendale. Are we close? Where do you live? so close. Echo Park. Oh, I love Echo Park. I used to live in Silver Lake. And then life life took me to Glendale. (laughs) (laughs) So where, where are you from? I'm from Fresno, California. Ah, beautiful Fresno. I've yeah. done a couple of shows in Fresno. Oh, you have? Yeah, I'm a stand-up comedian. So many years oh. ago, I remember doing a one-nighter in, in Fresno. Yeah. Well, congratulations on getting out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Fresno is actually a big metropolis compared to where I'm from. I'm from a town of one streetlight in western New York. So. Oh, really? Yes, about what, an hour south of Buffalo. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> So, well, you know, one of the first questions we always ask our guests is we want to know, what is your origin story, Emily? What is it that made you think, I want to be lead a life of creativity and be in this crazy business? I was just, I was really, really shy when I was little, when I was going to school. So, like, I almost didn't, hardly talked at all. Really? So... When I get into when I went into high school, that's when I discovered theater, and uh, and that was the first time I actually started talking in public. So <laughs> that was the only way for me to express myself. So I stayed there. <laughs> now, what kind of family did you grow up in? Did you have brothers and sisters, or were you an only child? Why do you think that you uh, you were so quiet when you were growing up? Oh well, see, it was right after the war, so there was a lot of anti-Japanese sentiment. So we were just kind of a uh, uh, we were we were not revered, so you know we so we just tried to be invisible so we wouldn't get attacked and stuff. Wow. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's a very interesting way to have yeah. to grow up. Wow. So when you started uh, in high school, what would do you remember? And what are your first memories of first getting involved? What was it? Was there a little light bulb that went off for you? Uh, how did you get involved with that in high school? Oh, 
I started with it, a debate. Okay. A debate, and then they had back then they had a oral interpretation where we would get a a monologue and read it. So I did that, and then from there, you know, I I uh, I directed the school play. I don't know how that happened, but I ended up directing the school play. So, oh wow! Do you remember yeah. what the play was? Yeah, it was Blythe Spirit. Oh wow! You do remember? Yeah. That's fantastic. When did you move to LA? Is this is is Los Angeles where you started your your career, or what did you do after high school? Uh, after high school, I was I went to Fresno State and I studied okay. drama theater, and I was getting my master's there. And uh, East West players came to sing perform at Fresno State, and I thought because everybody told me that I couldn't act because there was there was no jobs. So when East West players came to uh, Fresno State, I was like, wow, they lied to me. And so then from there, I went straight to East West Players in Los Angeles in mm -hmm. 1978. And that's when I started taking classes, um, doing shows. Where was the first places that you took classes? Was it with that theater company yeah. or? Okay. That was about the only place I took classes. <laughs> so that's really the only training that you have other than your, your, your high school career? Well, yeah. Well, I, you know, I have a master's in... No, I have a, I almost have a master's in theater in, uh, from Fresno State. I didn't do my thesis. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Did you, is there a possibility you could do your thesis or is that something that you're not really, you're like close I, enough? Nah. <laughs> so much work. <laughs> yeah. I would say you've done quite well without it. So. Yeah. So what were those early days like in Los Angeles for you? Did you have jobs? What did you do to support yourself? What was it like back then? Oh yeah. I worked in a bank. That okay. was fun. Well, I worked at a bank in Fresno. So, you know, I was familiar with banking. So I was a teller. And then I became a framer. And uh, I worked with other actors. And we framed for like, oh, a couple of years. That was fun. Yeah. And I've been a secretary and a bookkeeper. I still am a bookkeeper. Oh, you know how to do that, boy! I could use your help because I was a I was a finance major in college. Oh. I thought I was going to be on Wall Street, but as I yeah. say, I just made a decision when I was around twenty. I didn't want any part of that disgusting, backstabbing, cutthroat world, so I decided to get in the show business. Yeah, so <laughs> it's worked out. So you still you do your own books and everything because I am I'm a mess. Yeah, it's fun. I like it. It's a nice balance. Yeah, I felt that my my finance, my, all the learning that I did, it gave me a great base of, to know exactly how much money that I don't have. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's very easy to tabulate. I have to catch your show one day. Oh yeah, I got to get back up on stage. I've taken some time off, and oh, I'm, you I'm have? Getting, yeah, I took a little time off. Well, you know, the pandemic, everybody took some time off. Yeah, but I went for three years without going on stage at all because I was I was going through a divorce and a custody battle, and I just when we split up, it was it's too important for a kid that age. He was only three to oh. have a set schedule and routine. So I just made you know it, it was it was more important for me to be taking care of my son than being out there on the road talking yeah. to strangers about you know horrible, dirty things. Cause that's the kind of comic I am, but <laughs> I'm getting back on stage and, and that's going well. Oh, cool. When you, what, did you start in theater? That was your first, what was your first paying gig in this, in this business? My first show, oh, my first show, I think was Jock and his master at Los Angeles theater center. Yeah. That was my first play. And then, uh, I, I joined equity with that. My first TV show was a Remington steel. Ah, yes. Remington Steel. You know, yeah. I, I was looking at your credits. 
what the most impressive thing to me in this business is the ability to have longevity. Well, you certainly have that. I'm just going to read off a couple. You said Remington Steel, Colombo, Matlock, L.A. Law, Knotts Landing, Doogie Hauser, E.R., Melrose Place. You've been working forever. Do you have any specific memories about any of those shows? What was your what was your SAG card? What did you get Taft Heart lead for? I think it was Remington Steel. Remington Steel. Yeah. And what kind of what 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 audition process was that? Did you did you have an agent at the time? How did you? Everybody, I'm always fascinated with like the real like before anything hit. Because a lot of people gloss over that. Oh, she moved to Los Angeles and 10 years later she was on, whoa, you skipped the decade there. So <laughs> what was it actually like? How did you get your first agent? Is that how you got that gig? Well, luckily with East West Players, we had an agent there, Guy oh, Lee, who great. kind of took us all in. So it was very easy for me. Yeah. yeah. That's a huge advantage because that's was, the hardest yeah. thing in this business to get is to get representation. Uh-huh. That's so he got you the first audition for, for Remington Steel? Yeah. And, and how big a part was it? That one was pretty big, actually. And I, you know, I was doing theater and I didn't realize. So I wasn't impressed at all. So where Pierce Brosnan, he knocked on my door, I remember. And I opened it. I didn't know who he was because I didn't watch TV. <laughs> and he was, can we run lines? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, so we ran lines in my trailer. And he goes, okay. And then he left. He's a very nice man. <laughs> but yeah. Then I realized later I was talking to people and they're like, oh, he's a star. I said, oh, I don't, I don't know. That's kind of a rarity <laughs> for the lead of the show to actually come and offer to run lines with you. That's that's pretty cool. Oh, that's that was – it hasn't happened since. <laughs> now <laughs> they have the these uh, – the, they hire people to do that. Oh, right. You know, those leads, yeah. they all have somebody on staff to help them run lines. Right. Yeah. They're their designated reader. Yeah. Columbo. What year did you do Columbo? I don't know. That was fun, though. I did that with uh, Hamilton, George Hamilton. No way. Yeah, I think I was a newscaster. Thanks to Connie Chung, I did a lot of newscasters. Right. Back then, yeah. And uh, and he really does have, and he was, he's the nicest man. He he put his lines on a micro cassette recorder, and that's mm -hmm. how he ran lines with himself. I do that, too. I knew that too. I learned from him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but he's the nicest man. He was telling me about his closet, how his closet <laughs> is all numeric, you know, it's, it's on this, uh, you just put his number and then the item comes up and he takes it. It's like some kind of automated system. Automated, like a dry like cleaner. A dry cleaner. It just kind of, oh my God, that's crazy. I bet his closet yeah. is bigger than this apartment. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he really does have a beautiful tan. Oh, yeah, man, that guy. Yeah. Always had the permatan. Yeah. Uh, you did another show that was one of my favorite shows uh, of all time, Six Feet Under. I loved that show. Oh, my goodness, yes. What was that experience like? Oh, she was. I, I worked with Rachel. Mm-hmm. Can't remember her last name. I can't either. Yeah. What a great cast, that show. Yeah, it was. And at first she was kind of distant, but then once we did the scene a, a few times and she was, she warmed up and we just talked about furniture and life. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. always interesting when you're first starting out and you see who is approachable and who's not. And some people yeah. just keep to themselves. And then you see, and you see some extras being way too friendly and you're like, oh, you got to learn. Sometimes it's a speak and, you know, don't speak unless spoken to situation. Oh, well, that's uh, what I do. 
Yeah, right? You kind of got to let them come to you, I think. You'd be friendly, but, you know. Yeah. You just never know how they're going to be, huh? No. It's true, because my friend, he was doing movies for a while, and then he got a, a TV series. And he said, this is a lot of work. <laughs> because, you know, it goes so fast. And so the night before, you're learning your lines for the next day. Yep. Meanwhile, they're trying to put in publicity. If you're a lead in a TV show, you're doing publicity. You're doing you're doing ADR and stuff while you're doing shooting, you know, for this current episode. So he said, it's really hard and I'm tired a lot. So I just assume that, okay, that's how, you know, those leads are. And I just leave them alone and just say hello. <laughs> yeah. It, there are a lot of plates spinning at the same time. And, you know, it doesn't look like what we're doing is hard, but it takes a lot of focus. I mean, when you're done working a day on a set, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm beat. Yeah. It's just very mentally, mentally taxing to just, I don't know about you, but my old mantra is just don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw it up. You know what I mean? And that's, that, that really takes it out of you after a while. It does, day. you know. And the makeup, the heavy makeup just makes me, my eyes are exhausted by the time. But I, I, I always keep it on and I'll go out to a bar because I'm like, I look too good. I'm not wasting oh. this. <laughs> yeah. You never look as good as you do when you're leaving a set. Well, yeah, you have all those people just flocking around you. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Right. Now, you, you, we also have something in common, as Chris brought up, that we've both worked with Bruce Willis, uh, except I did not technically work with him or meet him, but he was on my episode of Friends. Uh -huh. And that was probably one of the guys who like, you don't want to just go up to Bruce Willis. You know what I mean? If he happens to say anything to me, but our scenes were at different times. What was that experience like? How was he? He was an asshole. Oh, yeah. Now we're getting into it. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me more. Well, you know, the director... The director only has so many much power. If you've got Bruce Willis, I mean, that's the money guy, right? Sure. So I, felt like I was being directed by Bruce Willis. And I mean, he's a nice fellow, you know, but. Was he the director or he was just directing you? He was directing me. He says, he says, now on this line, look at me. And then on this line, look, at, look away. And then on this line, look at me. Wow. Because he wants the editor to, to cut to him his reaction while I'm talking. Right. But, you know, I'm like, this is really, is this how we do it? And I guess I said, well, I guess this is how we do it. If you do a big movie with Bruce Willis, you know, <laughs> but he was nice about it, but I, I got no say in what I did because I had him and then I had somebody else who's kind of a star and she was saying, I would hold your hand. I was like, no, I don't think so. She goes, I will hold your hand. I said, fine. So at least I wasn't nervous. I was like, whatever you guys. It's just not real conducive to pulling out the best performance that you're capable of when you're being, no. you know. But the good thing about it was, though, that I I wasn't nervous. I was the opposite of nervous. So maybe that was a good thing. Yeah, you were just so turned off. You're like, who cares? Who cares? Have it your way, guys. Is this what it's like? Okay. I, I feel like that's... That's not tolerated anymore, or, or it's tolerated a lot less now in Hollywood than it used to be, just kind of being a jerk, you know? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was nice about giving me notes. And she was nice about being adamant that she wanted to hold my hand. You know, what was her name? Mer Sarah Mer Louise Parker or something like that? Mer Mary Louise Parker? Yeah, yeah. Oh. You know, she had a way of, she, she saw the scene a certain way. He saw the scene in a certain way. So therefore, you know, I had... Absolutely no say. I'm like, yeah, but I'm Asian American, so I kind of, ah, never mind. I'll do it like a white person. So I did. 
Yeah, that sounds interesting. Mary Louise Parker, I'm a big fan of hers, too. Yeah, she was good. It was just, you know, there was no discussion about, oh, Asians don't do that. No, it's like, no, we're going to do it this way. It's like, fine. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't even meet Bruce, but I can tell you that I was so nervous. And by the end, mine was the very last scene of, of Friends, the show Friends. And I was just dying all day until finally I was just like, I can't feel this anymore. Just let's get this over with. Yeah. I, I can't take the anxiety anymore. And then finally it was by the time I was just so tired and over it, my, my adrenaline was just gone. And so I'm like, oh, well now I can actually just relax and do the scene. Isn't that good? So it, yeah. it turned out for the best. Yeah. I live, yeah. He, I live here yeah, that's, most all of the time. Yeah. It's really hard to turn that off. You want to, you want that gone. God, when the scene yeah. starts yeah. and pretend like you actually know what you're doing. <laughs> now, let's talk about how you landed from what most people know you from, the show Gilmore Girls. How did that come about? I just auditioned and I, I went in and I did my Korean accent and they are the wonderful people, the creators. Um, and then she goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing a Korean accent. She goes, don't do that. Just be like a general. So then I, I said, okay. And uh, I think that's the only note I got. Be like a general. Yeah. Very, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, it worked out. I got to tell you that I just told my uh, my girlfriend earlier that I was talking to you today and she freaked out. Her oh. and her 13-year-old daughter, oh. they binged every episode during the pandemic. And she wants you to know she's only binged two shows in her life, <laughs> Gilmore Girls and Mad Men. And they are such huge fans of yours. And she wants me to pass along that she loves you. Oh, thank so, you. So you've made an impression. Now, yeah. how many how many episodes of Gilmore Girls did you do? Do you know off the top of your head? I think I only did like 45. Only 45, lot. she says. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So how many seasons is that? That's a lot. What, what, what was the first year that you did that show? I did the pilot. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I think I auditioned for that show over the years. I'm sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those where I think everybody did. Yeah. So any any of uh, any favorite episodes, any favorite memories from your time on Gilmore Girls? We have a ton of questions that we'll get to at from from fans. We you are the the most fan questions that we've had so far in this short lived podcast are for your oh for you really your cool. So we will get to those later. But do you have any favorite memories from that show? Oh, there's too many. I'll I'll, I'll probably hit some with some of the questions. I guess. Yeah. 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 So uh, who did you get along with best on the set? Oh, probably uh, Keiko and our George Bell was the, uh, uh, he ran dialogue with us. He was our dialogue coach. Yeah. And uh, Valerie, she did costumes. We we still see each other to this day. Oh, that's yeah. great. Liz Torres. Yeah, Sally Struthers is just a genius. So is Liz Torres. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's great that you're still in touch. Those are my favorite part of working gigs is just getting to know the people on the set, the crew. Yeah. They're just the most down to earth people and they're the most fun. Yeah, and over the seven years, we saw marriages happen, babies getting born. I mean, it was wonderful. It was like a family, you know? Right, right. Uh, you know, the one thing that I remember about Lauren Graham, they had the celebrity poker. She was so impressive on that show because she never had anything. She had garbage and was just betting and raising, and everybody folded every time. I'm like, she that's, that's proof of what an amazing actor she is. Yeah, she's, she's incredible. Yeah, she was crazy good at poker. <laughs> now, you uh, you just got done doing a stage show. I did. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Oh, that's South Coast rap, and uh, it was a it felt like a a wacky comedy. Yeah. So um, that was fun, and then be, right before that, I did a, a a stage show. I've been doing a lot of stage actually. Um, I did a stage show in uh in Yale. It, it where is Yale? Uh, oh, Jersey, Connecticut. Right? I was in New Connecticut for like three months. Oh wow, that was fun. Was this recently? Yeah. So how 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 is your how is your career and business been affected by the pandemic? Was that one of the first gigs that you had after you know we started crawling back out of out of our holes here? In person, I did a lot of a lot of Zoom stuff. Did you so, paid stuff or just auditions? I got paid. Yeah, good for you. Workshops and stuff. Luckily, I know a lot of. I've done a lot of work in in many towns. Yeah. So whenever you know all workshops and everything were uh, on Zoom. So I was working, I worked everywhere, Boston many times, uh, New York, And this Dallas. is all you, in, in theater, you've been working these different in times? Zoom. Oh, right, two right. years. So I, I was getting paid and those days are over because now they're in person now and they can't afford to fly me out. So Right, right. Yeah. But, but um, are you are you auditioning a lot? How do you feel about auditioning on, uh, on uh, like sending it in yourself and being actually in the room? What, what do you feel about that? Oh, see, it doesn't bother me. Doing it, doing it from home? Yeah. I like that too. Number one, you don't have to wear pants. Yeah. Number two, you can do it over and over and over again until you get it just right. But when you're in that room, if you're at a producer session and you screw up, guess what? They all see yeah. you screw up. You just, do you keep going? Do you acknowledge it? I always think of the brilliant thing as I'm driving home. Yeah. So I kind of like this doing it from home. It's just difficult for me I, I to get a reader because it's so hard to do it over the phone with somebody and I've done it against my own voice, which uh -huh. is always weird. But uh, my son is nine now, and I've just I've been having him read with me. Does he want to act? Does he want to act? It's interesting. I'm in uh, development for my own show right now. That's going to okay. be kind of a curb your enthusiasm. So lightly scripted, improvised, some real situations. But I've talked to him. I said, you know, do you want to play yourself? And then he like started mugging, and I'm like, that's not acting. And then we'll have conversations, and he's so naturally funny. And I've been stopping him, saying that's acting. Just being yourself and being funny and acting like you're trying not to act to explain this to a nine-year-old. So we're going to give him a shot and see if he can pull Good. off being himself. Yeah. The hardest thing to do. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and you know what? There's another thing because he, he did a play. He was in Moana wow, two years ago and really, really enjoyed it. Um, how do you feel about what, what advice can you give people about the difference? Because it's a big difference between stage acting and uh, and and uh, on camera acting. On camera is, of course, it's smaller. Especially single camera. I should make the differentiation. I don't know how many. If you've done a lot of sitcom work with, you know, in front of a live audience, but that's a different delivery. You could be big. <laughs> you could be very big in those. But um, no, I think it's just smaller, and both of them you need truth. But maybe you need more. Maybe you could notice it more on camera. Yeah. If you're not being truthful. If you're pushing, if you're sure. smacking, you know, it it's more uh, offensive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on camera, right? That's a good word for it. <laughs> I did this pilot with this guy, and a lot of people now they seem to have acting coaches. Mm -hmm. So you know, as soon as we finished a take, he he would ask his acting coach, "Am I smacking?" You know, and the guy goes, "Yeah, <laughs> reel it in, reel it in." 
Right. So, you know, I got, I had my first, cause I had to step away from the business. I, I did my first acting job in, in six and a half years, just a couple months ago and so much adrenaline and it was a high stakes scene. So I figured I'm going to play the stakes. And, uh, when the director said, great, Brian, could you just, um, can you take it down about 40%? And I'm like, Oh man, that is a lot. That is so much. I must have been horribly overacting, but I I would always, you know, give him somewhere to take it down from. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. But again, uh, just the 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 exhilaration of being on a set again. I -hmm. I love everything about it. I love getting the script. I love seeing my name on the call sheet. And if you get a dressing room, it just for me that's the most fun part about it. And to actually be able to 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 act. This was like forty. I had 40, 45 lines, which is about the most That's I've ever had. good. Yeah. What show was it for? It's a new show. I'm not sure where it's going to end up yet, but it's called Second Chances. Uh, Annalyn McCord is a very, very talented actress. And uh-huh. uh, Alexis Wren, I did most of my scenes with. But um, yes, for the first time in six and a half years, you're just uh, just trying to rein it in. The last thing I want to do is overact because I've just it's been a long time since I had an opportunity. So... Yeah, it's just super fun once you, you you know it's gone for a while to get to get a chance to do it back. It's it's it is fun, and I like. Yeah. Um, I was telling my friend, I said, now I don't like to stay in my dressing room. I like to go and sit, and I like to watch. Love to watch. You learn so much, right? Yeah, you learn how to act on set when you're first starting out, and you really, really do learn a lot from watching. Other Even people. when you're old like me, you know. You learn by watching. Oh, that's good. Why is that good? You know, if if I'm lucky, but I don't know if they do video villages much anymore. Now everybody has these tablets that they look at. You know. Yeah. But um, yeah. but it's it's just kind of fun to watch, see how people work, see how. Yes. Yeah, they're they're all different styles. You know, yes. some people like quiet before. Some people are la 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 until action, and then they're fine. Right, you right, know? and then there's um, the others are methody. Yeah, and then you watch how the director likes to work. Yes. So, because each each set, each movie is different, and you, it's hard when you go in because you don't know. Okay, how do I? What's expected of me? How how best can I play? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? A big thing for me is um, how much can I get away with with com? Like I like to make jokes. I like to goof around, and it's just like feeling it out. Is this a director you can do that around? maybe not this guy, but then there's somebody that's making the joke. Somebody will set the tone. Yeah. Right, how, what can I say that won't offend people? You know what I mean? As a comic, that's the thoughts we have. So that's a, that's a big thing to learn as well. It is. Cause that one time I, I, there was this one producer director who would use me all the time, but I made a joke after a scene one time. And then after that, he never used me again. And oh, I no. said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just yeah. going to do my job, be respectful, and just enjoy being here. But that one cost me a bunch of jobs, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, that really sucks. Can you tell the joke or do you remember it? Or no, it wasn't even that. You know, it wasn't even a joke. It was just I was uh, interviewing a guy in prison. He was the lead, you know. And afterwards, I, I was just said something about the, his intensity or something. And uh, I guess because the guy was in the zone, the actor was in the zone. And everything, so it just it just went, and the right. the director never used me again. And before oh, that, he was sucks. using me like twice a year. So, wow. um, yeah, that was a lesson learned. 
Yeah, I you really something... gotta watch it. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. Now I had a. I remember I was. I did that '70s show, and uh, I had a big wig on. You know, uh-huh. and my mother at the time, she's like, "Well, I just don't like what they did to his hair." I'm like, "Mom, it's not really my hair. I don't have a giant '70s bowl cut." Yeah. But the director, and during rehearsals, I was a waiter, and they wouldn't leave because they didn't have any money. They just kept ordering stuff. So as oh, a waiter, yeah. I was getting more and more aggravated. And then they somebody calls as a prank and sends them a cake for a birthday. And in rehearsal, I dropped the cake from like three feet. And and every all the producers laughed, and the network people laughed. And I'm like, great. And then the director came over to me, and before the next run-through or the network run-through, he's like, yeah, he, he the waiter wouldn't drop the cake like that. And I'm like, but I just got to laugh. But that's, they don't care about you when you're doing four lines. It's where the leads getting, they're the ones yes. supposed to get the laugh. So during the network run through, I didn't drop it. And I audibly heard a couple people go, Oh, uh-huh. so then when we shot, I was like, I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to drop it. And it got a laugh. And so maybe that cost me ever working with that guy again. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's interesting. There's some productions where they do want you to shine if you're a supporting character or a smaller role. And then there's others where you're like, like you said with Bruce, you yeah. just do what I, so my reaction shot is right. you're here to serve me, uh-huh. but you got to feel that out. Cause you just never know. Yeah. You know, and you know, in Bruce's defense, it was good. He was right. right. Cause he was doing he's done some-, some right. He's done some stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, he he had a reaction that he wanted to make sure was um, on camera, right? You know, that would end up in the in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the movie Red, correct? Yeah, Is that the name. Okay. Yeah. So, what do you have as advice for the young aspiring creatives out there? You've had such a successful career. You've had such longevity. Like the and like I said, that's the key to me. That's what I my goal was. I wanted to get. You know, I moved out here, and a, you know, one of my sisters was like, "So, how long are you going to give this?" I'm like, "I'm. You don't understand. I'm not coming back. Right. It's sink or swim. But yeah. especially in this new world, you know, when things are have changed a lot from when you got into the business. What What is some of your advice, especially you know, in in COVID era as well? There was a lot of work in COVID, actually. But it, yeah, it's basically just now you create your own work. Yeah. I mean, I was doing, I've worked twice with this gal in Sony and, you know, they, Sony made her use this, uh, influencer. I forgot, you know, in the lead. And she goes, no, I did that last time. And so that was a a big deal. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's one way to do it. You Mm -hmm. know, you have a lot of followers. Like when I did, I played Margaret Cho's mom. I love Margaret. We used to live in the same apartment complex. Oh, in San Francisco or here? No, in LA when I first moved here. She was oh. in my building. Yeah. Yeah, she's wonderful. She is. But they were kidding. But I don't know how much they were really kidding. They said, oh, she'll, they give her a lot of storylines because she has a lot of followers. So it's like, oh, maybe this, this, in, this social media stuff is important. You know, they will also go through, uh, and that's how, how they, Sony will cast some roles if people have a lot of followers. Even though they've never acted before. How do you feel about that? Because I know how I feel about it. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it's no good. We were, I I had to do ADR for this movie that I shot with Sony. And then we were waiting for this uh, this guy. He was the influencer. Mm -hmm. And then after an hour, I was done with my stuff. And I said, where'd he go? 
Well, he 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 was a young kid too. He couldn't find the address, so he went home. He didn't call anybody. Didn't care. He just went home because you know if you're an influencer, you just go home. What the yeah. heck? <laughs> that's like, not person. That's not very good perseverance. You hired him. You know, you know, when I had it and he's got a GPS on his phone, I had a Thomas guide. How do you right. think I learned, you know, how hard it is to learn this city? Yeah. I swear people were on drugs when they designed this, the Los Angeles. And, and, and you you remember the Thomas guide. It was a, oh, map, yeah. a book this thick. That's how <laughs> I learned. And he has GPS with a voice telling him where to go. And yeah. he's like, can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it. Got to go home and shoot a 30 second video. I don't know. I, I just, I feel the same way about it. I did it. A friend hooked me up with voiceover on this gig and they had hired, look, I don't care if I say it. This, her name was Sniper Wolf. And I said, what, what are you guys doing? They're like, she's just, she's not doing well. She's not, to, well, what, she, oh, she's just got a lot of followers on. And I'm like, well, you know, when are you guys going to learn? It takes a skill to do this. It's not just somebody that gets a bunch of people to follow them. Look, I got into this business to work, to act, to work, you know, not to be, now you have to be an editor. You have to be a promoter. You have to be, you, you have to, it's a nonstop. And I'm always proud of the fact, and I'm sure that you are too. We made it without that. Yeah. There was no, I was the last comic on, on, on my space. There was nothing. <laughs> So I, I will always have that. But then you're like, well, am I just going to be a dinosaur? Am I a grumpy old man? It does matter. And especially when you say if there's three people up for the part, and somebody's got a million and a half followers and I got yeah. five grand. It's not hard to do the math. Nope. And that's our world right now. Well, yeah, exactly. And it's not like those people are known for their, you know, the, the making the best decisions in the world network people. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. You know, they, they miss a, they miss a call or two. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, well, that here's a perfect example. I don't know if you watch the show Hacks. Yes. But there's a young actress, a, a Meg Stalter, if I'm saying that wrong. I, I apologize. Is she the young lead? She's No, she's that's Anna Hein... Feinbinder, oh. please correct this in post, Chris. Um, she's wonderful, too. But the, the, the wacky kind of assistant whose father owns the company. Oh, her. Yeah. She's phenomenal. Yeah. And I, I watched her come out of nowhere on Instagram just with these really funny videos and characters oh, that did? she was doing. And that's exactly how she got that gig. I'm sure somebody just started noticing her Yeah, and you are right that, you know, before, like as a comic to get acting work, it was such an advantage because well, somebody will come see you do seven minutes at the improv, but as an actor, are you going to come to my showcase? You're going to seem to come see my play. That was an advantage. Now you don't even have to leave your house. No, if if you do it right, so um, she's a perfect example, and and you know, it, there's a lot of really talented young kids that are getting their opportunities like this. Yeah, but I'm also a big fan of putting your ten thousand hours into something. <laughs> you know, because yeah. you have to know what you're doing, and if you get a, if you get a little bit of uh, success too early, you know what this town can do to people. Yeah, you just you don't last. Right. Yeah, I'd been I'd been working for ten years, and I got my opportunity at too young. I was thirty. You're supposed to have your you're supposed to have your shit together by thirty, but nah, uh, that's a little late bloomer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you have coming up next that you want to promote? Where can people uh, find out what you got going on? Oh, I should I should post more. Uh, are you big I, on the I, social media? Do you, are you on Instagram? Are you on Twitter? We want people to yeah, be able yeah. to follow I'm you. Not, I don't post much, but I, I am. Oh, 
Yeah. You'll get the Dunkelman a- bump from this, this appearance. We'll get you at least a couple new followers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a Baymax with Disney plus. I'm in that cartoon. It's, it's opening soon and I'm on the poster. I'm so excited. Oh, that's um, fantastic. What's the name of it again? Baymax. Baymax. It's that big, big white fella. He looks like a little balloon, a huge balloon. Yeah, it's okay. it's the the series that follows Big Hero Six. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one. So anyway, yeah, I, that's exciting. Yeah, I, that's I saw exciting. I saw that. That's great. And then I've got a I've got a series. I'm only on like four or five episodes, but um, it's it's Amazon. It's going to be on Amazon. And it's called The Power. It's not, there's a whole bunch of powers, but get The Power. It's based on an award-winning book, and it's about little girls with electrical power. So. Ooh, I like this. That one was fun. I shot that in, uh, I was in the UK during the pandemic for like two or three months shooting that. Wow. And I'm telling you, so you never know, because I thought, I really, I thought, okay, I'm done. Like a couple years ago, I said, you know. Cause I'm older now. So I said, I'm, I guess I'm done. I'm retired. That's fine. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I said, dad, no, nah, not really. And I still didn't believe it until I was on the plane going over there. I said, Oh my God, this is real. And, yeah. uh, and then I'm going up to uh, Vancouver in a couple of weeks to shoot reshoots or adding more scenes. So. Oh, great. I get it's to... a great place to shoot. I love Vancouver. Oh, I know. Isn't it great? I'd rather so go to UK. That's okay. So you did like the, I haven't been there. I was there once when I was 15. So it was so long ago. You know, my memories of that trip was like, how do we get beer in yeah. every country that we were at? Like, oh, there's a vending machine. Vending machines with beer in Germany. There's a lot of shooting going on there now. A Is lot. Really? Yeah. So now that you're coming back in, you'll end up working there, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I, I got approached by a manager from a management company who basically he contacted me on Instagram. He's like, we believe that actors' best roles are when they're are later on in life. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's music to my ears because this is such a youth-oriented business. But there's a lot out there. My husband just got yeah. his biggest biggest movie last year, and he's 79. Oh, that's he, fantastic. He did a J-Lo movie in uh, somewhere. Well, there's so out, out the many streaming services you know and we grew up with three channels yeah so there's so much going on now yeah and i guess they have money you know yep so and they are using older people i'm happy to say well that's then so, that's where the longevity comes in because this acting gig that i just did i did an audition and i said to my manager what's, what's going on he's like it's just an offer casting director's a big fan of yours i'm like well, where's she been? All the weird they haven't been working. But you know, she I might have auditioned for years ago. You just never know. They'll you remember you or just been a fan of one thing you did and out of the blue, you know, uh-huh. my first acting job in six and a half years. So if yeah. you stay if you stay along, around long enough, yeah, you kind of force people to use you. You know what I'm saying? And then stay active, you know. Well, I say you have to almost anything. Because you never know. You're going to bump into somebody or work with somebody. You know, I'll do these freebie little things. Mm. They're fun to do, number one, anyways. Yeah. But you never know. Sometimes you, you're working with, uh, and that person turns out to be working with uh, somebody at the Getty, and they'll they'll suggest you for another part, you know? Yeah. That happens yep. a lot. It really does. Work oh. begets work. I mean, yeah. positive momentum, it, that's, that's, how, that's how this all works. And like my acting teacher said, he said, if you think you're going to work harder when you get paid, 
you're wrong. You're, <laughs> you're bad now and you're going to be bad then. You know, whatever you do, yeah. no matter how small, no matter free, do your best. Yeah, because it's another experience. It's just it another is. layer on top and it's another, yeah. you know, two, more tools in your toolbox. And you're just shortchanging yourself if you call it in or if you go, well, I'm not getting paid for this. Right. You're the one that's hurting yourself, you know? Yes. So <laughs> you might as well, because see, for us, every time we work, it adds to what we have to offer. Yes, it does. It's a gift. Yes, it really yeah. is. Any so it's, kind. it's nice to, you know, look at our career that way. Yeah, because the, the, the thing is, and you know, when I told this, this young girl, Alexis Wrench, she's so good and she's very new and I got to do really, really great scenes with her. And I said to her at the end, I'm like, I, you know, you're, you're a really good actor. She's like, oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm learning. You never stop learning. You never stop. Yeah. You never stop learning. And that's what's so cool. Also, I think, I think it, it changes. Acting styles change. Sure. It has changed. So, um, <laughs> that's another reason why I like to watch. Yeah. You know, and I like to watch like the people who are successful is like to see if, what it is that they're doing or, or maybe they're not doing anything, but it's interesting. Yeah. 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 There's nothing wrong with borrowing from the best. Oh gosh. No. You, know, you pick up little things uh -huh. from everybody in this business. <laughs> yeah. So Chris. How about yeah. these? Uh, we've got a bunch of fan questions. Are we uh, we ready to rock some of those out? Or yeah, uh, actually, before we get into that, um, Emily, congratulations on the Baymax show. I just pulled up the poster here. Uh, looks awesome. Uh, since that's coming out in like a week, can you tell us a little bit about your character? A little, whatever you're allowed to say. I don't know what I'm allowed to say. Well, <laughs> I, I I just love this character so much. I've never been, I can't believe I'm so excited about a cartoon voiceover thing I did, but <laughs> it's just adorable. I had so much fun doing it. And I just say, I, I would just recommend this to all ages, to everybody. Watch it. It's wonderful. Heartwarming and funny. And what was the movie? I've seen this movie. I've seen every movie with my kid in the course of this pandemic. I'm like, can we please not watch something <laughs> animated? Because I've seen all of them, but I really, really liked that movie. So that's very exciting. Yeah, it's, very uh, cool. Big, and voice Big Hero 6. Is so fun. Big, Big Hero, Hero 6, 6 is right, the name, right, right. name of the movie. Yeah, which I've seen as well. I was a fan of. So Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't I don't know if you had seen this before you auditioned or not, if you were a fan. Um, but it was a great movie and it's it, a lot of potential for you know series there. So Oh good. But that's that's go. great. More that's work. great that you, you got this. So we'll look forward to seeing that on uh on June 29th on Disney Plus. You're yeah. our first Disney Plus star that we've had on this show. Hey. So yeah. Very exciting. So um Emily, I have to tell you that when I, I posted that we were talking to you, that that was maybe the most attention we've gotten for this podcast on my personal Facebook. Uh, a lot of my friends are very big Gilmore Girls fans. Um what was funny was that I, I had never seen it before the pandemic. Uh, my wife has been like a lifelong Gilmore <laughs> Girls fan. And um, what she would do is if I was busy working on something like working on my laptop, she would always have it in on the background. It's like her comfort show. Just it's yeah. always on whatever sees. I'm sure you've heard of this before. People just keep it on in the background. Yeah. Um, it's funny. And, you know, eventually I kind of started getting distracted by the show. Like when I was trying to get worked on, I got like invested in these characters and I'm like, you know what? 
I got to watch this from the beginning. I got to figure out what happens with these folks. Let's just watch it from the beginning. And I, I watched every episode. I watched the revival all throughout the pandemic. I loved it. And I have to tell you, like, um, and, and I, I'm yelling at the TV and I'm getting really invested with, with these characters and some of the choices that they're making. And by season six, I was I was angry at everybody except for your character. I thought Mrs. Kim was the best part of season six because when, when she turns into like the the band manager and she's like giving advice about uh, like she's, she's pushing Zach to come up with a better song. Like that's not good yeah. enough. You need to come up with a better yeah. song. My fingers are cramping. I'm totally fried. Run in place for a minute. Get some blood moving. Forget it. This is hopeless. What? I can't write a hit. Okay. Not with that attitude. You can't now pick up your guitar. Let me hear the last line of the chorus again. I'm like, man, like Mrs. Kim would be killing it in like the music industry or the movie industry. I, I just uh -huh. love that. So that was the highlight. I, was, I, I wasn't happy with other characters, but your character was the reason I enjoyed season six. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> so the, some of the questions we got from Anita Warren wants to know, what kind of grandmother do you think Mrs. Kim was to Quan and Steve? I think she's the exact opposite of how she was with Lane. I think Lane turns into her mom and then I turn into the the kind doting grandma who who starts a band with the kids. And um yeah. <laughs> and we write music and songs together and we jam and I'm the cool. I'm the cool one. Just irony. It all comes full circle, you know? Yeah. And then Lane Lane is the one rolling her eyes at me now. <laughs> Beth Rotano asks, what was your, if you're comfortable answering, what was your relationship like with, with your mom? Did that translate in any way to your relationship, Mrs. Kim's relationship to Lane on the show? Yeah, I think so. Because my mom came from Japan during World War II. And um, she sacrificed a lot. Like she worked, she worked in a sewing factory piece, you know, piece work. She could, she had difficulty with the language. She, and then she had to work at, my dad had a vegetable farm. So she worked there afterwards. So she pretty much worked 12 hour days and then she had to sew our clothes and everything. So, you know, she didn't have, she wasn't like some of the other mothers who was, you know, who were housewives and they were always there cheering on their kids. She really trusted me to do whatever I needed to do to get by. But I knew that, she would have given her life for me, you know? And so that's how, how I kind of based Mrs. Kim. That's why the, you don't see, you know, overt warmth or anything, but it's, it's under, it's the undercurrent. And, and to me, it's very strong. And it's so funny because I talk to non-Asian people sometimes and they're like, wow, how can you be such a jerk? You're so mean. And then I talk to Asian kids sometimes and they say, you love Lane so much. <laughs> I said, yes, I did. Yeah, it's all perception. Yeah, that was very clear uh, throughout yeah. the series. Uh, Chad Hamilton wants to know, what were your thoughts? Uh, Mr. Kim finally made an appearance in the revival. What were your thoughts on that? Did you, I, I think it's just like one shot, right? It was just one shot. Yeah. 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 Is that, is that kind of, how did you envision Mr. Kim kind of throughout the series? He's kind of like this mysterious figure. I know. I like the fact that nobody ever talked about him. And I, I guess we all had something in our heads, but we didn't share it, which I like. Um, 
No, that wasn't how I pictured him at all, though. I thought he was a rock star. You know? That kind of makes sense. That makes sense. And he with, was on the road all the time. Because I was in the ga- all-girls tambourine band. I'm very musical. So, you know. <laughs> all-girls tambourine band. Yeah. So, I love it. So when I saw him, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there were some mixed feelings from the fans, just kind of based on the feedback I got. I, I think yeah. there was mixed feelings, too. Let's see. Casey Tobias would like to know, if you had, uh, what were your favorite contributions or input you made to the character of Mrs. Kim? Was there anything that you you put in that was that was just you that you're like, hey, I'm really glad uh, that I included this as part of the character? No, I can't think of anything. No, I, I think the writing was so good, so clear. Mm-hmm. So I just had to honor the words. I think. Sure. Yeah. Um, Casey Tobias also asked, what was your experience like as an actor of color in a predominantly white show? Well, the producer was, uh, is a Korean American. So it was very, it was, it was, it was good in this one. You know, whenever anybody would try to, if it got even a little bit of racist, the producer was right there and her parents going, nope, nope, nope. And, you know, we were given the freedom to say no as well. So, um, it was one of the most wonderful, I think, experiences, you know, because we had the producer there and, and the creators were open to what we thought and our experiences as well. So we didn't do anything that I know that was stereotypical in all the seven years we, we broke stereotypes and I'm very, very grateful for that to this day. That's wonderful. And yeah, I feel like now, now that's, that's the standard, but back then it it wasn't necessarily like it wasn't happening. Uh, so that's great that you had that that positive experience. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then finally, <laughs> boy, you got some interesting questions. Uh, do you have a favorite episode? Uh, Katie Katie Coin Brusco asks, "Do you have a favorite episode of Gilmore Girls?" Yeah, I have two. I think um, one is when Lane was hiding something under the cup floorboards and I caught her and I threw her out of the house because she lied to uh, me. My that heart. one is my favorite. Yeah. And the second one is the wedding. I almost didn't do the wedding because, you know, I, I wasn't a series regular. I was just a recurring. So I had said yes to a play that I was going to do in DC. So then I told Amy, Amy was, can we use you for blah, blah, blah. I said, no, no, I'm in DC. She goes, no, no, you got to do it. I said, I already told her I'm doing a play in DC. So she goes, okay, what if I give you, what if I give you three episodes? Will you, will you back out of the play? And I said, okay. Yeah, I I'm listening. Because it was the wedding episode. Because if I wasn't there, the husband wasn't there. I guess I still could have done it, but. Yeah. Well, like, that's so hard for me to imagine you not being in that episode because that episode, I mean, not only are you, you know, a huge part of the story, but I think it gave me, I think the funniest Mrs. Kim line ever. Yeah. Yeah. She's had a number of them, though. <laughs> that one was funny because that one was, I, I enjoyed it because, um, you know, after all those years, you, I don't have to work anymore. It was, it was hard, like, not to cry, you know, because my daughter's getting married. So it, <laughs> it was just, uh, it had gotten to that point where everything was so easy because everything felt so real. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you and Keiko really had a bond, it seems like. Um, yeah, we did. Offset as well. And, and yeah. she's someone you still keep in touch with. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I do want to plug your, you have a, a wonderful cameo page. Um, I have to hand it to you. I mean, you, you go, you know, I, I'm always curious, like I go through the cameo pages and I bought cameos for friends and all, but you go above and beyond to really make it a special experience for everyone that, that gets a cameo from you, which I, I think is awesome. Like you go above and beyond and uh, you don't have to do that, but you do. And I, I think it shows you. I don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I never did. Never I mean, sometimes <laughs> I, I like it when people write a lot, but I feel like I'm making a movie. Because I, I underscore, I find pictures, I drop pictures, you know. I, I do know, another take. Yeah. I say, no, 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 I do another take. It's great fun, though. It really is. You look like yeah, you're having a ball. <laughs> I am, I am. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's all for fan questions. But that, that was okay. great. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll close it out, Brian. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us. We really appreciate it. I mean, so many fans of of yours from that show, and and like I said, yay, people love you, and and isn't that what we do this for? You know, yeah. it's really wonderful talking to you. And and uh, just one more time, check out Disney Plus for the tell me the name again, Baymax. Baymax, check that out, and follow you on social media, and check out get a, get a cameo from her, and and continued success, and uh, and health and luck to you and your husband working again. That's fantastic. And and watch uh, my the the power. It'll be on the Amazon, power. and it'll I'm hoping will be out at the end of this um, year. But I play a nun, and uh, it's fun. So check it out. Great. The power. Thank you so much. Right, well, thank you so much. We really thank appreciate you. it. Take care. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. Another wonderful conversation here on Dunkle Vision. She was amazing. She was. Um, yeah, just delightful to talk to. A lot of knowledge there, too, for anybody getting into this business. A lot of knowledge. A lot of years in this business. Yeah, and it just proves like you you put in the hard work in, into your craft and, you know, it, you that's your, your best chance for success and uh, what a career she has and she's still going. She like, she can't, you know, I, I think I'm going to be that way too. I don't think I'll be able to retire, uh, either. Cause you, you just like, you just can't stop creating, you know, like it's, it's in our blood. Yeah. Hey man, I'm doing donkey videos till the day I drop. That's until I run out of songs to sing. That's, that's right. You don't <laughs> do it for the money. Dude, I was going, look, I'm not kidding. I got grounds for a lawsuit here. Kelly Clarkson with a new album of Kelly Oki's. I think I've talked about this before, but uh, somebody's going to think that what an idea to put an album together of me and my donkey Oki's. I went through all of them last night, Chris, and I, I had enough for an album and I, w I wasn't even up to like uh, summer of 2021. I've, uh, I've earmarked, I believe 35 of my favorites. So now it's going to, I think I got three albums three albums worth of Donkey Oki. So we're going to blatantly piggy up, piggyback off of the, the success of Kelly Clarkson. And at the very least, this is going to lead to me being on her show. We're going to, we're going to sing a little love shack. So that now is a possibility that exists in the multiverse. Just got to pull myself toward it, brother. It does. Cause you just said it. And you know what? I think she owes you. Frankly, she does owe me. I made her, I made her, I am responsible for her being who she is today. She's the next Oprah, for God's sake. She's got more hosting gigs than I've had in my life on air right now, simultaneously. Well, I have the perfect plan for you because I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner. The next Dunkey Oki needs to be 
A Moment Like This by Kelly Clarkson. Interesting. I like to pull off voices that I, that I, that I, that I can actually pull off. <laughs> hey, try and pull off Kelly Clarkson, one of the greatest voices. But, of, but of you know time. what? I Look, I'm the producer. I, I think of like what would most likely go viral. I'm like that has more viral potential. Nostalgia. I think I might be able to pull off Clay Aiken if I was invisible. I might check that one out. Oh, that'd be cool. No, I could yeah, actually that. hear that. Like, I think the, you know, the Kelly Clarkson <laughs> would be more funny, but like the Clay Aiken one would be like, yeah, I can see it like a, like a real cover. That'd be cool. Hey uh, man, let's keep doing this. Yeah. Let's, let's keep, keep doing, doing the Dunkel vision. I'm always in a good mood after we record. Same here. Same here. So, and this is a wonderful little, little pre-celebration. I will be 51. I know. Shocking. Next week. So happy birthday to me, everybody. Happy birthday, Dunk. And if you want to get Dunk a birthday gift, why don't you go to Amazon.com, Amazon Prime, and watch Dunkelman. Uh, hey, that's now. a fantastic idea. It's still is, Are you telling me it's still available on it Prime Video? It is still Video? available on Prime Video. You want to check it out. It's an awesome, awesome, uh, I can't even call it a documentary. It's a, it, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. It's it's so unique and such a compelling story. I mean, really, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll you'll everything, all the emotions, all at once. Laugh, cry, laugh, repeat. I believe as somebody left a left a, a testimonial. Mm-hmm. Um, if really... if for anything else, uh, really, you know, if you're around 20 years ago like me, uh, you know, watching TV, some really great behind the scenes stories of season one of American Idol. Which um, oh, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you bringing it up because it's uh, it was a labor of love. Now we'd like it to, you know, turn into cash. Yeah, we're getting yeah. there. We're getting there. That's not why we do it. We do it not, for the love of the game. It's not why we do it, but we're not opposed to. But it. if a million people rent this, sayonara. Yeah. I'll be retiring. I get that double wide in Palm Springs and call it a life. Dunkle tired. Dunkle tired. Dunkle is tired. I'm going to get another coffee. Thanks for coming and joining us, you guys. We wouldn't do it. You know, we we could do it without you. We actually could. But it's a lot cooler knowing that we're just not speaking into the abyss. Thanks for joining us on Dunkle Vision. Give someone a hug today. Hey, that's how I'm going to close everyone, though. (laughs) Give someone a hug today. That's going to be my... You got to have a hook. Well, that, Chris, you know I'm talking about show business. You gotta have a hook. That'll hug be like uh, that'll be like your Jerry Springer, like you know, take care of yourself and each other. That's right. Let's be careful out there. Jerry Springer was one of the first celebrities I interviewed. No kidding. Yeah, I no, like I, Jerry Springer. Now I, do I worked too. on the Family Feud, the Family Feud live show, and they told me that Jerry Springer is one of the hosts for The Price Is Right, which I'd really, oh. really like to get in on that action. There and you they go. say, yeah. He doesn't even make money. He spends more money fueling up his jet to do this gig than he makes. And I'm like, then give it to me. <laughs> give it to me. Jerry doesn't I'm, need the money. I'm not fueling up my jet. I need to fuel up my Hyundai Elantra. Yeah. Hire yeah. me, not Jerry Springer. I think that, that there that, we go. There's my new tag. Hug someone. Give someone a hug. Hire me, not Jerry Springer. That's a new t-shirt. There we go. Stamp it on there. <laughs>